You're listening to the Mindful Vitality Podcast. Hi there, I'm Holly Braddock, a registered nutritionist, science nerd, and chocoholic. Join me to learn how to optimize your physical and mental health using functional nutrition and evidence-based supplements. I help my clients build a sustainable, healthy lifestyle so that they have the energy to do the things they love. Every week, I bring you actionable tips on how to improve your health, and I pick the brains of female entrepreneurs in the KW health and wellness community so you can advocate for your health and live the life you want. Welcome to the Mindful Vitality Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mindful Vitality Podcast. Today I'm here with Grace Brown. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Grace is a psychotherapist and she is practicing with myself and Dr. Kristen Spark and Melanie at Verger Wellness Clinic. So do you want to tell us a bit about your training and your background and what you do? Mm-hmm. So I am a registered psychotherapist. Um, as you said, my mm-hmm. name is Grace Brown. I'm a registered psychotherapist. I have my master's degree in um, spiritual care and psychotherapy. I work with you and other <laughs> colleagues at Verger Wellness Clinic. And I also work at an agency in Cambridge. And so my passion is just holistic wellness, right? Strong relationships. Um, and that's just sort of the passion that I, I bring to the table when I work with clients. Mm-hmm. And um, in session with clients, what type of like uh, modalities do you use? CBT, DBT, or any specific types? I would be what you call an integrated therapist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So largely um, client-centered, so going where they like to go. And I use um, a variety of modalities based Mm -hmm. on what the client is coming Um, to deal with. Um, CBT would be a big one, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the realm of stress, anxiety, which is sort of a reoccurring theme that I see um, with my clientele. So CBT, mindfulness, um, guided discovery. um, Yeah. So quite a few modalities. Great. And what type of, or what do you see most common in your practice? Is it anxiety, depression, spirituality issues, sexuality, what do you see the most of? Largely most, without a doubt, most of my clients come in and they want to address stress and anxiety. And usually that literally is a springboard for other things. Um, It's almost like a gateway. That's what they know to express. And then as we explore and journey together, other things will come from that. So it may start with a discussion about anxiety, Um, it'll open up into depression. Sometimes that opens up into some relationship challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really a springboard for many people to discuss that at the beginning. And so how does clinical anxiety differ from everyday stress? Everyday stress, everyone has, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Webster's online dictionary would define stress as a pressure or tension exerted on a material object or a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances, right? 
everyone experiences stress on a daily basis. Stress is one's response to life events, right? And that could be a happy life event or a not so happy life event, mm -hmm. right? Daily stress allows a person to accomplish goals and function within health, healthy limits. When you're moving into something like anxiety or clinical anxiety, that's really about varying levels of stress, which moves to distress, which mm -hmm. means their ability to cope with life events is maybe lacking, moving into more of an unhealthy level, if we could say it that way. A person who's challenged by anxiety or clinical anxiety, their recovery to normal stress takes longer. Does okay. that make sense? Are you following mm -hmm. me? Um, their ability to recover may need to include more proactive interventions such as psychotherapy or mm -hmm. medication depending on the level of distress they've been experiencing right so something um that's stressful say like changing a job you know it could be a good stressor that you're excited for your new job but and someone who doesn't have clinical anxiety may be stressed by it but still able to cope fairly well whereas someone with anxiety it would kind of be a little more disabling for them absolutely right? you know so you might move into things like more avo avoidance right mm -hmm. we've all experienced procrastination mm -hmm. but with a clinical anxiety or um, higher intensity of anxiety that avoidance will look like multiple missed appointments or you know, not showing up for a job or the inability to complete certain tasks. Mm -hmm. And then that impacts how they feel about themselves. And then that just starts this spiral going okay. under, going under. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Um, so I think you were going to some uh, kind of explain it in terms of driving a car. Right. Okay. So when you drive a car or any form of transportation that gets you from one point to another, I'm specifically going to use a car. Um, so you increase the gas that helps you reach your destination. You shut off the engine, the engine rest cools down, and then you can carry on to drive to another destination. Mm -hmm. With clinical anxiety, the same process continues, except that the engine continues the rev. And it's hard even when you shut the engine off for it to cool down and to rest. And so if that continues to happen, if you continue to have rub on high, you're going to start to have malfunctions. Right? Okay. And so clinical anxiety would be ending up with the inability to slow down, the inability to rest, which then doesn't allow you to recover. Mm -hmm. And do you mean um, in terms of the inability to slow down and rest on a physical level or a mental level or both? Both. Okay. Often it's both. Often it's both. Many clients who struggle with clinical anxiety will talk about intrusive racing thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about this a little later in the podcast. Our thoughts affect how we feel and how we feel affects what we do. Right? Mm -hmm. And so helping them to understand that, okay, you have a your you have a tendency to have spinning thoughts. How do we slow that down so that you can physically rest right. and then be able to emotionally deal with whatever it is um, you're called to do? Gotcha. So you mentioned earlier that anxiety is related to or can you know end up building into depression. How exactly does that work? Okay. So I'll start with my sort of anxiety 101. Yeah. <laughs> anxiety, although it gets a bad rap because it doesn't feel good to feel anxious, 
um, anxiety does have a function, right? Anxiety is in its basic form a fear response, right? And we're designed to feel fear because it keeps us safe. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so anxiety is a messenger if you choose to use that way, it that way, because it's telling us something is wrong. And there are many factors that increase, can increase your anxiety. Um, it could be a job change mm -hmm. or, um, a life event, having a baby, getting married, um, friendship, you know, challenges, right. Yeah. You know, sort of living daily life, mm -hmm. um, Working with a psychotherapist can help a person determine what's sort of feeding the fear response, if I could use it that way. Anxiety unattended can lead to feelings of depression because one response to increased anxiety is isolation, mm. right? Feeling isolated, feeling unproductive. We talked a bit about procrastination, yeah. um, which will increase feelings of worthlessness, maybe a loss of identity and a loss of community. And when we're disconnected from community, that often will lead to loneliness and or depression. Mm. So it's sort of like anxiety gets on the treadmill and then ramps right. <laughs> and then segues into feelings of depression. Gotcha. Um, I feel like that's a bit of an epidemic in our society, the isolation factor with... Um... Just because like everything's online these days, especially mm -hmm. kids are growing up with smartphones and all they do is just go online on these apps and they're connecting with people, but not in real life. They're not making those human connections. And it's such a huge difference on your well-being to sit down and be with someone versus just chatting online. So absolutely. Yeah. Do absolutely. you see a lot of that um, in your practice? Do you feel like these people are not getting enough time? with like quality time with loved ones to help them. Cope. Absolutely. And it's one of those almost catch 22s because in Western culture, we're socialized to be independent and self-sufficient, mm -hmm. which in itself isn't wrong or isn't unhelpful, except when it goes to an extreme, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Previously, families were connected and they would support each other through whatever life events. Mm -hmm. Now, it's important to create community, which can be hard, especially if you've moved from a different place and you're trying to break into an already established community. And for some people, it becomes such a challenge, they give up on it, mm -hmm. even though it's so very necessary. Um, who hasn't needed a hug? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you don't have the ability in a safe way to receive a hug from someone, some support person, then where does that leave you? Right. Right. And there are so many studies that have gone, you know, in the past and ongoing about how people recover on a greater scale through surgeries if they have someone to even hold their hand. Mm. Right. And so this online world that's developing and that's the beauty of technology. The dark side is we have more information, but we're less physically connected than ever before mm -hmm. so it, it's a challenge for sure yeah because it's I guess there's different levels there where I mean spending time with someone is great but if it's someone that you're not super close to or it's just like a work event or something and you're not necessarily like having physical contact with people right whereas if you're spending time with someone that you're close to like your partner or your parents or something and you are having that physical contact that will make all the difference and Absolutely. Your mental well-being. Absolutely. Um, 
Because when one is distressed, our biological need is to have comfort. Mm -hmm. And how do you find that comfort? Words, of course, are important, Mm -hmm. right? What people say, but more so is what they're able to experience of comfort, whether it be a hug or a touch of the hand and some sort of um, understanding in a physical way. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Um, And so, you know, when you're online, yes, you have support. Yes, there are people who understand to some degree the struggle that you've had, but how much more to have that emotional support, but then the ability to touch someone. Mm-hmm. There's so much power in in touch. I mean, body language, right? Yeah. We've all um, understood the nonverbal communication that is expressed. Much harder to see, you know, even with FaceTime, right? There's just a disconnect. Yes, right? definitely. And it's interesting, too, in terms of touch that um, a lot of studies have shown that things like massage or any kind of physical therapy where you're being touched by the practitioner is um, really helpful for mental health issues as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many more recent studies um, using MRI and what lights up when you're physically touched. Yeah. Um, In a way that's safe and brings comfort to the person on the receiving end. As mm-hmm. well as the giver, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the, um, it's quite powerful, really. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so what type of work do you do with people that are struggling with anxiety? So when a person comes to me and, and they begin with, they're struggling with anxiety, what I begin is an assessment process. And with largely a series of questions, trying to establish what did their life look like on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I continue to ask questions, explore what their life looks like, it can help me understand what level of anxiety they're dealing with. And often that's self-reported as well. Mm -hmm. What's the level of anxiety they're experiencing and how is it affecting their ability to function in their day-to-day life? What might be getting in the way of them doing the things they really hope and dream they'd like to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Once I determine that, we talk together about a treatment plan addressing areas like self-care. How are they caring for themselves physically, emotionally, um, mentally, spiritually? Um, Often we focus on healthy boundaries. Sometimes the inability to say no can get, Mm -hmm. can impact a person's level of anxiety because it's sort of that engine revving. They're going and going and going. They're saying yes to so many things that they're physical health is impacted. Um, Healthy boundaries helps me explore certain relationships. What are the safe relationships you have in your life? What are the not so safe relationships you Mm -hmm. have um, in your life? And what do you feel is your ability to correct those things? Um, We talked a bit about CBT. That's an intervention that stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's practicing identifying what thoughts are happening our thoughts affect our feelings which affect our actions which can also affect our physical symptoms so i'll give you an illustration if that's mm-hmm. okay yeah let's say um i happen to see you at the mall but you didn't see me okay and i call out holly and you don't respond mm-hmm. i'll have an immediate thought about that Right. And largely that impacts what kind of day I had, what my thought would be. Mm -hmm. So if I'd have a rough day at work, I might think, hmm, Holly's ignoring me Mm -hmm. and I'll feel hurt. 
I'll feel confused depending on how long I stay in this place of sadness, hurt, and confusion. I may think, you know what? Shopping's really not important today. I'm just going to go home. Physically, I feel lack of energy. I feel kind of depressed mm-hmm. and I'll just go home and maybe veg on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is then going to continue that spiral of feeling unproductive, so on and so forth. Right. Right. So see how the thoughts I had affected how I felt, uh, affected what I chose to do. And then physically symptoms of depression mm-hmm. was the end result. Being tired and lethargic and not wanting to absolutely, do much. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's rewind this video, yeah. <laughs> this digital <laughs> format, and let's say I same scenario. I say, Holly, you don't respond. I may think, hmm, maybe Holly didn't hear me. So I've changed the thought. Then I might change the action and actually walk up to you and tap you on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you turn around with a big smile on your face yeah. and say, Grace, I didn't hear you. What are you doing here? Oh you know, I'm doing a bit of Christmas shopping, you know, what about you? Oh yes. You know, it's time to start that Christmas shopping, you know, yeah. trying to get ahead of the game here. So my thoughts have changed, my action changed. And now because you responded in such a positive way, my feelings have changed. Mm-hmm. I feel happy. I feel connected to you. I feel noticed and valued. Yeah. Right. So thoughts, feelings, actions have now changed physically. I feel energized. I feel happy. My body is open to you. We may chat some more and then Mm -hmm. we'll go on our way. And it's a completely different ending. Yeah. Because I interrupted that natural negative thought pattern that spiraled me down Mm -hmm. into feelings of depression. So I guess the, the trick is to catch yourself right at that crucial moment between, you know, is this person intentionally trying to hurt me or like just catching yourself right at that moment Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. when you make that decision, whether it's positive or negative? Absolutely. Yeah. And the CBT skills, it's practice, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all have our sort of go-to, right? We have our go-to thought patterns, um, which we can identify as we continue to journey together. We have our automatic go-to responses when we feel rejected or hurt, right? Sort of closing off. And so if you can, one, recognize your automatic response and try to change that, and that will take practice, over time, it becomes more normal for you, Mm -hmm. if I could say it that way, more habit forming as to be more open to sort of challenge those belief systems. Mm -hmm. Well, she ignored me. Okay, what's the evidence you have that that might be actually true? Is it possible that she just didn't hear you? Right. And having changed my action, I did find out it was true. You just didn't right. hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, shoot, what was I going to say there? I don't know. <laughs> Rain fart. Um, yeah. So what kind of resources do you give clients that are wanting to work on changing their thought patterns? I am actually quite excited. Recently, um, I've been made aware of um, a resource through Canadian Mental Health Association, and they have an online resource, interestingly enough, we (laughs) talked about that, um, called bouncebackvideo.ca. Okay. And when you go to that website, they'll ask for your email address, oh, and only as a login. You won't get blasted with, you know, email, (laughs) newsletters and such. It's just used for login purposes, and then you'll receive a code. B B today O N. 
which is Bounce Back Today Ontario. Okay. That's what it's, it's short for. And you'll use that code. It's a free resource. It never expires. And it's a video series that explains this concept of CVT. How do I change my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, and then ultimately change the physical symptoms mm -hmm. um, that I'm experiencing? So there's nine videos. The longest one is about 12 minutes long, and it will help you identify the thoughts and patterns and start to work to change them. Um, it also has a telephone coaching component okay. as well if you if you would like that and then there are different resources you can print and practice this this skill and i use the word skill specifically because it's something that can be learned mm -hmm. and it's something that you can practice over time ah i just remember what i was going to ask you before mm -hmm. um do you find that um people's thought patterns and the way that they're naturally think um is that a product of things that happened when they were younger and how they were raised. Yes. Yeah. Um, a bit earlier, I talked about unhelpful thinking styles. Mm -hmm. um, we all have them. Um, and I, one of the things I'll do is I'll have a handout that I give to my clients that identifies different unhelpful thinking styles. For example, if you're a black or white thinking uh, thinker, yes. right. Or if you um, sort of overgeneralize, like everything is huge, right? right? Everything has an incredibly large impact, right? Um, shoulds. Shoulds are a really easy one yeah. to pick out. I feel I should be doing something, right? Mm -hmm. Right? This when, person's doing that, so I should be doing it too. That's an entrepreneur thing for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And shoulds kind of kill us, right? Mm -hmm. Because... That's usually an expectation that comes externally, which impacts what I feel mm -hmm. about my life and my value and what I'm bringing to the table and so on and so forth. So those are some of the three common ones. And once you identify the unhelpful thinking style, then you can say, okay, this is my tendency. This is the lens with which I can tend to look at the world. Mm -hmm. You can start to challenge the belief systems. And I'm using that word, um, uh, with intention also because belief systems are like the app that run our lives. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. What we believe is running under the surface and it influences what we value. It influences our attitudes. And as we talk about the unhelpful thinking styles, the belief systems that can be very illuminating for people to say, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, if I feel I should be productive all the time and I'm not, then what does that say about me? Right. Right. If I feel like I should be productive all the time and I am, now my engine is revving too high. I don't have time for self-care and rest. It's still off balance. Right. But awareness is key. Right. If you don't know, then you can't change it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, I seek to address is expectations, right? Where do these belief systems come from, right? Some Often it could be cultural, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are certain cultures that pride in being productive. Yes. Rest is not a thing. <laughs> yeah. All of North America. <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. so once you even sit with that and say, you know what? You know, how is this actually working for me? Yeah. Right. Um, and then you can start to pick it apart and then sort of reassess 
is this still part of my value system, mm-hmm. right? And the more we're working inside of our value system, the more productive, the more our true selves we feel, right? right? And life isn't as hard because everything you're choosing is lining up with those values. Does like that make that. sense? Yeah. And so those are some of the things that we try to unpack as we, and all of that feeding into these feelings of anxiousness, mm-hmm. right? this loss of control, um, what is anxiety, but a fear of loss of control. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I mean, I've caught myself doing this before too. Like, and most people do And you're on social media and Instagram is notoriously bad for this, mm. but you're always comparing yourself to other people. And especially, I mean, there's different types of comparison, but for me as an entrepreneur, I'm always like, Oh, they're doing so well. I look at how many followers they have, all these things. And like, I should be doing what they're doing. Like, why can't I be that productive? And you're constantly comparing. And then that makes you feel bad about what you've accomplished, even though what you've accomplished may have been really great and significant for you. Absolutely. You're not focusing on the, the accomplishments that you have made and you're focusing as much on like what mm-hmm. they've achieved and what you haven't achieved. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have to be or strive to be the best grace that I can be because that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I can't be Holly. Yeah. Right. Holly is unique to Holly. Yeah. <laughs> and all the things that make you this powerful, amazing being is unique to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, it, you know, using a more material example. Right. If you wear a size six shoe. Right. Put your foot in a five. Right. See how long you're going to walk yeah. well in that size. Right. Yeah. And so. Things like Instagram, we've talked about technology before, and also socializations and cultural pieces and whatnot have this subconscious or even conscious expectations on the way we're supposed to be. I'm Mm -hmm. using air quotes here, right? But if it doesn't fit, right, that's where things like anxiety, depression, these mental health disorders can start to evolve from because you're striving to put yourself into something that doesn't fit. Right. right. And so calling people to an awareness of that anxiety is a messenger It's telling you something is amiss. What is the something? Mm-hmm. What is your ability to change the direction of this something? I like that as a symptom of, yeah, just much like I always tell people as a nutritionist, like, um, we're so prone as a society. We want a pill for every ill. So if you have a headache, we take a pill. Well, why do you have the headache in the first place? Maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe you haven't eaten in a while. Maybe you're not sleeping enough. Like mm-hmm. we don't look at the underlying reasons. We just want that quick fix. And once you figure out exactly what's going on, then you can address that and kind of prevent those things from happening in the first place. Absolutely. That uh, makes me think of anger, right? Mm-hmm. That's another emotion that is creator given, right? We're actually created to express over 200 emotions. Oh, wow. 200. <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. right? And we have our basics, of course, and then there's spins off of those. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully you'll invite me back and we'll talk about the function of anger, right? Anger is what we call a secondary emotion. It tells us something's wrong, similar mm-hmm. to anxiety, right? Anxiety is a fear response. To not feel afraid is going against our biology, right? It's designed to keep us safe. So going underneath the surface, if I could say, and what's pushing this anxiety to the surface Mm -hmm. and addressing that holistically, right? 
um, is one of the things I really encourage clients to do. And what, I guess we kind of covered mostly what you see as underlying uh, causes or triggers of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to expand mm -hmm. on in terms of that? Underlying causes, we've spoken about lack of self-care, and that's simply taking care of yourself, right? So eating healthy nutrition, exercise, rest, you know, mm -hmm. those physical basic needs. Um, we explore if there's any lack of healthy boundaries. And that doesn't necessarily mean in a romantic relationship sense. That's everything, mm -hmm. right? Your work-life balance, right? Um, the ability to say yes to positive things in your life. The ability to say no to things that aren't going to fit you or aren't aligned with your values. Mm -hmm. um, any unhelpful thinking styles we talked about. Expectations both internal, external expectations that maybe are unmet, maybe they're unrealistic. Mm -hmm. These are areas that I'd like to explore to see what might be pushing that anxiety to the surface. Okay. So you talked a bit about um, taking a holistic approach to treating anxiety. Um, tell us more about that. So how you kind of look at the whole person. Hmm. And so as I journey with a client, it starts with the main categories of what makes us ourselves. Um, so I'll start with, I would say the basics physically. Is there anything physical that might be attributing to your feelings of increased anxiety? Um, we talk about nutrition. We talk about sleep mm -hmm. or lack thereof. <laughs> um, we talk about, um, Physical wellness, you know, are there any chronic illnesses? Are there any medications that you're taking? Mm -hmm. Are one of the known side effects increased anxiety, irritability, that sort of thing? So I do sort of a basic assessment about that and refer accordingly, right? Okay. So if a client has recently begun to take certain medication, have you spoken with your doctor? Have you spoken with your naturopath about the side effects and mm -hmm. what you're experiencing? Because everyone is unique. Right. Right. And any sort of alternative um, medications or um, medical supports. Then we talk about how some of those physical symptoms may be impacting their emotions. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I had one client who came to me, started with anxiety. And as we explored, it took maybe two sessions before after going to his family doctor, he realized that he had dry eyes which caused incredible irritability, which impacted his relationships, oh, wow. which increased his anxiety because he, he felt like he was on his hamster wheel. Nothing he was doing was making this irritability better. Mm -hmm. right? And it started with something physical. So went to the optometrist, went to his family doctor. They identified that he has um, dry eyes and everything changed. Oh, wow including his ability to cope with just everyday life, right? It impacted everything, his ability to respond well at work. And that caused, you know, unrest at work mm -hmm. and his relationships at home. It was quite powerful. And both of us kind of chuckled to ourselves like, really? Yeah, of all the things. Eh? <laughs> of all the things, dry yeah. eyes. But yeah, I was thinking too, like, I mean, I have chronic pain and I know I've read a lot of literature on the connection between anxiety, mental health and chronic pain conditions. And it, I mean, it's bi-directional, right? So if you're struggling with chronic pain and you may not be aware that 
having to deal with that day in, day out is taking a toll on your emotions and your ability to cope with everyday stressors. Absolutely. So helping my clients to understand that sometimes physical symptoms will impact your emotional and mental state, which then also impacts your physical symptoms and they go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then on a broader perspective, it can impact your spiritual spirituality. And that is beyond faith. That's about community right? Mm -hmm. Community of family, community of friends and social support, a sense of purpose in the greater scheme of life, right? If you're feeling so anxious and or depressed that you're withdrawing from community, that's going to affect you physically, that's going to affect you emotionally and and so on. So vice versa, if you're in, say you're in a lot of pain, then you may not feel like going out and socializing as much as you feel like you may need that in your life for your mental health. It's like, yeah, but I don't feel up to it today. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a vicious cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you add to those expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Expectation of self. When I'm hanging out socially, I should be this bright, effervescent, and you don't have that ability right now. So then you say, do I go and pretend? That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Or do I just isolate myself, but then I feel lonely, right? right? And so having a psychotherapist um, or safe people to unpack this with and talk about have understanding and embraced in a community largely change things around Mm -hmm. and as we're talking about the um, physical and uh, emotional connection that made me think of as most people know that listen to my podcast and I'm kind of obsessed with the gut brain connection and there's Mm -hmm. so much research that's come out um, in the last few years on the direct impact of the gut on the brain so Previously, doctors knew that, um, you know, things like IBS, they they might often prescribe an antidepressant because they know that the mental upset and the anxiety can cause gut symptoms, but Mm -hmm. they weren't aware that the gut itself can affect the brain. Mm -hmm. So recent research is showing that actually the good bacteria in your gut produces, I think it's up to 80% of serotonin and transports it directly to your brain. And then obviously the rest is produced in your brain. So, I mean, if your gut is that out of whack and you have too much bad bacteria and not enough good, then you're not able to produce that serotonin, which for listeners is the one of the happy hormones, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's a huge impact on your mental health if your gut is out of whack. So I often see that um, in clinic with clients is when they're struggling with some kind of gut issue, they're also struggling with some kind of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of getting to the root cause, treating it, and then if necessary, like referring them to someone such as yourself to at the same time to work on both aspects. Absolutely. Yeah. And as much as we are um, a strong North American community and culture, that what I would say is a deficit because we've come away um, from this belief of a holistic <clears throat> being. Right. Those are things you'll see in more Eastern cultures mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Right. And. They do so much better than we do with their health and understanding of mental health and the holistic being. And so we're starting to get on. Yeah, slowly. (laughs) The Eastern is creeping into the Western. (laughs) Right? And, And happily so, because if we can continue to address the holistic being, we're going to be better off as people, as communities, as neighborhoods, as global the world mm-hmm. um and you're starting to see that sort of integration in different things i was recently um 
talking with a, a friend who works through House of Friendship. And one of the newer initiatives they're discussing is what they call shelter care. And there's mm -hmm. a model already doing quite well in Ottawa. But it's bringing medical facilities or resources inside of a shelter situation. Okay. So a person who needs shelter or housing and then has other issues or concerns, they can be addressed in the same location versus person is, let's say, homeless. They have frostbite. They go to the hospital. They're bandaged up. The physical body is cared for, but then mm -hmm. they go back to be homeless right. to do this over and over yeah. again, right? What would it be like if in our shelters, and we're just going to deal with that because we know there's mm -hmm. other concerns relating to um, um, lack of housing, but what would it be like for a person to be addressed holistically in a shelter setting, right? So any dental issues they may have, mm -hmm. mental health issues they may have are dealt with in one place. Yeah, that might... Um... I mean, I feel like that would be a great resource for them to help them possibly get back up on their feet and get a job if that's what the, the goal is. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's a feeling of safe community, mm -hmm. right? You, you're not being shipped from this organization to that organization right. to that organization. Because that creates in itself this unwanted, unvalued Yeah, like they're passing you off to someone else. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Whereas, ability, especially with someone like that, if they don't have uh, access to transportation, that can be really difficult to even get to the different appointments, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I do when I'm, I'm talking about the holistic approach is just um, assessing what else might be filtering in or influencing the emotional and mental distress, right? Awesome. I address, you know, what are their supports, right? who outside of the counseling session are going to help them champion change, right? Mm -hmm. Who else is the, are the cheerleaders on the sidelines saying, you know what, you got this, you can do it. We're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Support is so key. Um, so obviously if someone's looking to book with Grace, you can book with her through the uh, Verger Wellness Clinic uh, online booking, which you can, uh, just Google Verger Wellness Clinic online booking that'll pop up. And Grace does offer a 30 minute, is it? Yes. Uh, just, uh, what do you call it? Complimentary Dis discovery <laughs> session. <laughs> like, what's the word? Yeah. So if you, it's important to find a, a practitioner, especially when it comes to counseling that you really connect with and feel mm -hmm. comfortable with. So I think mm -hmm. that's great that you offer that to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 30 minute complimentary discovery session is simply that, right? If a person is sort of new to the idea of therapy, um, it's a great place for them to ask questions. What can they expect? Um, we've talked about connection, right? Mm -hmm. It's a no um, obligation way for them to meet me, feel what it feels like to be in the room with me. Um, we can also discuss <clears throat> am I, are, what their concerns are inside my scope of care. Right? Mm -hmm. And then cross refer or refer as needed. So it's 30 minutes and you would be amazed or maybe not, mm -hmm. but it's quite amazing sometimes how that's just all people need is to have someone not judgmental, objective, hear their concern, validate and un try to understand. And then even that can start the um, journey for them. Mm -hmm. That's great. Is there anything else you wanted to add on before we... 
end it off well, today? Well, you know I could go on and on. <laughs> I love this. But yeah, no, I think that's that's it for today. Great. Thank you for the opportunity yeah, to just talk a little so bit about what I do. And it's amazing work. And amazing work you're doing too. Thank so you. Thank I you try. for allowing this partnership. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us. And we will see you next Monday. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you found this helpful. If you're still struggling with your mental health, feel free to reach out anytime. DM me, email me. You know where to reach me at mindful underscore vitality on Instagram, mindful vitality on Facebook, book, or info at mindfulvitality.ca for email. And I do have my free community still open on Facebook. Lots of support and lovely ladies in there. If you need a community of support to get you through this tough winter, it's called Hustle and Grow. Just send me a request and I'll let you in. Have a lovely week and I will chat with you soon. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. If I could ask a quick favor, if you have 30 seconds to spare, if you could leave me a quick rating and review in your podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps other women just like you discover my podcast, which can help them on their healing journey. And I want to help as many women as possible. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will chat with you soon.